All right. If I can have your attention again, that'd be awesome. If you want to grab a seat, be so good. Um, this weekend has been unbelievable. Friday and, and all day Saturday, we had our uh, Encounter God's Presence weekend, which uh, finally came after many, many months of kind of preparing for it. And uh, we, we had um, about 40 of us who participated in the course itself, and we had actually 11 uh, friends who came from Alberta to come and actually put on and present and pray for us. And it was just a phenomenal, phenomenal weekend. So uh, real thanks to that team who've come and, and ministered to us. And they're going to do that this morning. And part, it's really exciting that we get a chance to hear from them today. Uh, this morning, Val Hopman is, is uh, she's actually the national director for the EMCC of Encounter God's Presence. And uh, they're hoping, this is the first one that they're doing outside of Calgary, and they're hoping that, that Hillside will be a learning experience so that they can actually do this across the country in uh, different EMCC churches. And so they, they said, thank you to us for being guinea pigs. And we're like, anytime, anytime. Um, she's joined, uh, the team split up this morning. Half of them are at our Bear Creek Community Church across the way in Surrey. And, uh, but we have Val here. Val uh, has four kids. As I said, she's very involved uh, in uh, Encounter God's Presence course. And also, every Monday night, she leads a team that goes out and does evangelism in the streets of Calgary. And if you're curious about that, you got to talk to her. They just literally go out, they pray, Holy Spirit, lead us to people. And God highlights and gives them opportunities to, to speak into lives and to share the gospel in some phenomenal, crazy ways. And uh, so we're really um, happy to have her here this morning. She's going to be the primary sharer today. But uh, joining her are darling, and I'd ask you to all to stand. Uh, could our team stand up? We got William at the back, William Nelson, and, and he's actually on staff with our den denomination as well. He's our communications director. Uh, Brian Archer, you want to stand up? Brian's also on staff with our denomination. He's one of our, EM, our regional directors. Then we have, and I, I don't have everybody's last name, Gerald. Come on, stand up there, brother. Uh, we have uh, Darlene Adolf, who's also on staff with our denomination. She's Kervin Ragas, our president's assistant. And then we have Loretta, who is the president's sister, which I don't know if that makes you the second lady or I don't know what designation you get, but you should get some kind of perk, I think, something. But uh, we're so thrilled to have Val here. Let's, can we give them all a, a huge thank you today? so fun to come and spend the weekend here at your church. I have to just say we have felt so welcome. Thank you to Bill and Trudy. They have just taken care of us and the hospitality has been awesome. Uh, I think what's so fun is that, you know, us Albertans come and we come in to, to BC here and, and, you know, it, we're just sisters and brothers and we just, in Christ, right? And we just love being with one another and just because the spirit in us is the same as the spirit in you and, and we just instantly have a love for one another. So it's been really fun. Um, <clears throat> the thing that our team has been commenting on over and over and over is uh, Bill had put some fruit, a fruit platter for our team and, and the strawberries were so big and they tasted so good and juicy and we're like, 
Is that the way strawberries always are in BC? Because in Alberta, they're always half rotten and small, and they don't taste that great. So we're so excited about the strawberries. <laughs> and, and, and the green, we keep saying, oh, it's so green here. And, and we're like, do you even try to grow things here, or do they just grow? Like, we don't know. I don't know. And to us, it's like, it's like the, the, the curse from the, the Garden of Eden was placed on Alberta. I don't know. I don't know. But what, it's not here. You guys are doing something great. Um, <clears throat> you know, we, we came here to bring this Encounter God's Presence weekend because uh, we love being in the presence of the Lord. And we do know that we, um, when we encounter God, we never come back the same. When Jesus walked on the earth and, and he would go and he would, he would have encounters with people. And sometimes they were good and sometimes they were not so good, but no matter what happened, people were never the same. It, and so we want to encounter Jesus. We want to encounter God because we want to be like Jesus where he says, I only do what I see the Father doing and then I go do it. I only say what I see the Father saying and then I go say it. And so we want to encounter God in this way so that we can be like Jesus. We want to follow in, in Jesus' footsteps. He's the one that said, come, spend time in that quiet place. In fact, he'd stay up all night, right, to just be with his father so that he could go out then and carry his presence and be obedient and be enabled. And, and that's what we just want as believers. We're just so hungry for that. We're, I think, you know, there's a time uh, in our churches where we go, you know, I'm just so, I'm so tired of, um, of, of not living and having what we see in the Bible. And so that's what we, we love to come and go. We want to apply the principles and, and what Jesus has talked about and seen. So I would like to actually to call up Gerald. He's part of our team. And he's going to share with us um, just his experience that he had with Encounter God and what that's done in his life when he went to Encounter God's presence. Hi, uh, my name is Gerald, and um, stand up here, Gerald. We want to see you. Sit down. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm just kind of nervous, but um, so before my experience with Encounter God's Presence, of course, I'm already born again, saved, Bible believing Christian. I know the foundations. I know I'm growing in maturity and faith, and I know God's promises. But there were still some issues. There were still some baggages that um, I kept hidden inside my heart. I kept um, telling myself that I've already forgotten about it, I'd not bring it into light. So there were like resentments, there were unforgiveness, there were sins I hid deep inside my heart and then sins that I even kept on justifying. But um, during those, um, my time with the Encounter God's Presence weekend, um, even though, like I said, I already know that God has already forgiven me all of my sins, past, present, and future, um, God, Holy Spirit himself still convicted my heart that there are things that I kept hidden in my heart that I need to bring into light. Um, those are the things that's been chaining me. Those are like the broken chains that I kept on carrying where I, when I don't even need to carry those packages, those stuff. <laughs> um, so I got through, uh, I got a lot of those um, baggages and depression, those self-hate, those condemnation from the enemy. And I was able to let go and get rid of those foothold that Satan has been using in my life. 
to condemn me through the Encounter God's Press this weekend because we get to practice um, uh, James where we confess our sins to our brothers and sisters in Christ so we can get healed. And also, I also learned some um, uh, practical and most importantly, biblical ways of practicing spiritual warfare. The most important thing is that biblical, it's biblical and um, what I learned through it is I learned to understand who God really is, his identity, his character, his never ever changing character, that his identity is what's most important and what comes after that is my identity in Jesus, not how people see me or not how the world sees me, but how God sees me. That's how I got rid of Satan's temptations, Satan's lies, those condemnations, those footholds, and I was able to speak the truth, God's language, which is truth in my character. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Gerald. Who was here uh, for the weekend? I, I recognize a few, but okay, oh, wonderful. So I just want to give you an opportunity to share. Uh, if you want to just give us a 30-second, one-minute, uh, what was your experience? What did you, was there um, things that the Lord was able to give you freedom in or to be able to just even remind you of or to open your eyes to? We would just love to hear your testimony to your fellow brothers and sisters. And maybe, Bill, you could just take the mic right to them. Yeah. Is there anybody that's willing to share? And put me on the spot. Well, I'll start, and then hopefully so many people can be encouraged. So one of the, the images I had that I think was really special for me was the freedom groups, the, actually mm -hmm. the breakout groups. And so the, what happened was that um, you split uh, male and female into, into groups, and, mm -hmm. and males were in here, the the guys were in this auditorium, and I looked around, there's about five groups of three, and that just was so encouraging to see that we're, as men, just sharing with each other mm -hmm. the, 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 the journey, mm -hmm. and the challenges, and, and the areas that we need to be, uh, have freedom in, mm -hmm. and I just was really blessed by that image, and I'll take that with me for sure, mm. yeah. Neat. Anyone else that uh, wants to share? Sophie in the back. Do I see someone? Oh, yeah, Sophie. Um, I also really enjoyed the freedom groups. Um, but I just felt like this weekend the Holy Spirit was so present here. This is my fault. This mic doesn't sound very good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, the Holy Spirit's presence was just so tangible all weekend, um, like even just from the first moment that we mm -hmm. began, and um, he was just speaking to me and revealing things to me that um, I didn't even think were issues. I never thought of them. I didn't think of them at all, but he was just sort of bringing up things from the past that were small and seemingly insignificant, but had like gotten this grip on me and made me think things about myself that were... Um, have been holding me back in lots of different areas in my life where Jesus might want to use me. Um, and the other really powerful thing was at the end, the last two hours last night, we just had worship music going in here, and it was dark, and we were all just worshiping in our own way, and the team, there were so many of you, there was like, how many are you? Like there's, a, there's 11 of us. 11. Yeah. Um, and so they did this really cool thing, I'm, I've used up the minute. 
that okay? Okay, go ahead, keep going. So they broke into teams of two and they all came around and gave us a sticker with a number. And as we were just worshiping, a team of two people would come and take us out into the lobby or somewhere over there. And um, two people would just do listening prayer with us and just, um, just listen to what was on our heart if we had any needs for healing. And, um, and then they would just listen to the Holy Spirit and then share with us any visions or um, prophecies that they had, um, prayers for healing. And that was so powerful, just, um, uh, just to get confirmation from the people who were praying for me and, um, mm -hmm. and to hear the powerful vision that they had of me and Jesus. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Anybody else that would like to share that was there? Carrie's going to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, sweetie. One of the beautiful things from the weekend is I get to love my wife more than I did before going in, so it was, it was precious. But anyway, um, one of the things that I really appreciated was the uh, instruction we had and actually, uh, I guess, maybe encouragement to believe that we have authority to hear God's voice and not the other voices that mm. we tend to uh, uh, be afraid of and question. We think if God uh, speaks, um, we start questioning it. But they have a methodology and authority and biblical teaching that gives you confidence actually to hear. Mm. They know that that is the Lord's voice. And, and as it got repeated, even during the number of times that we prayed together, as, uh, as I heard the voice of the Lord again and again. That was the same voice, mm -hmm. and it was encouraging to know. Plus, the, uh, the, those that gave words that they'd heard for me uh, truly resonated and were mm -hmm. a tremendous, mm -hmm. uh, rich blessing to me. So mm -hmm. I just encourage us. It was a great um, instruction in hearing God's voice. Mm, awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So I have, um, uh, I, I used to have this thing where I really just didn't want technology part of my life. <laughs> and I think, you know, anybody probably my age and older, we can, you can understand that, that, you know, when all this phone stuff started coming, I was like, yeah, I don't know, I don't really need it. And um, I ended up getting a phone for safety, you know, but it, it was one of those, you know, flip phones. And then you'd be like, if I wanted, you know, C, I had to go one, three times to get the C, and then, and so then you're, you're trying to make your message really quick, and then you're like, I should just, I should just, call. I'm just going to write it down, you know, and, and I, but I was perfectly content with it. I thought that that was great, and oh, I'd say it was probably about 10 years ago. On my birthday, I had, you know, my family and some guests over, my husband gives me this gift, and he pulls out, I pull out this Apple phone. And you know what the words that came out of my, my mouth were? I'll never use this. I don't need it. I, and it was, uh, it was kind of more that I just, I'm a, I don't want, I've seen people with their phone. I don't want a phone. I don't need it. And so, um, you know, there, there's lots of encouragement. No, you're going to love it. There's, you, can, you can check your email on that. I'm like, no, I'm happy just putting in my password and waiting for 
the Wi-Fi, and then I'm happy to look up my email and, and then just wait a little bit and then get my emails. That's what I'm happy with. And, and then they you know, were telling me I could text people, and I'm like, why would I want to do that? I'll just pick up the phone and call them. I'll just talk to them. And uh, you know, they, they, I, I started to you know, look through this phone, and I started to get more familiar with it. And then I discovered Facebook, and I thought, why are people reading my conversations with other people, and why would I tell them that I'm ironing today and that I'm making for supper, right? I, I couldn't understand this, and, and you know, but as the time went, I was like, this is the best. I know um, how to do all sorts of things, and it's like this mini computer, right? And now, uh, I love my phone. It's like, I, 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 you just have it on you everywhere you go. You're like, hi, hi. In fact, I was walking in my, my daughter's uh, parking lot, taking her to school, and it was icy, and I was late. And so I started to run, and I slipped on some ice, and I bashed down on the pavement, and there was about five people standing around, and I jumped up, and I'm like, oh, okay, and they're like, what? And, and I, and, you know, and I was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> uh, but you know, and so we have these phones, and and one thing about me is that I, I lose things a lot, and so I seem to always leave it somewhere, leave it in a bathroom, leave it in the vehicle, I, it's under the bed. I don't even know. Sometimes I'm walking around going, where is my phone? Where is my phone, right? And then I phone it, and it's in my hand or my back pocket, which is really crazy. But what I've noticed is that when it's really lost, I start to panic because it's got my pictures. I've got like a 1,000 pictures on because I haven't downloaded them onto my computer because that takes too much work. And uh, I have my, you know, all my contacts and everything. And so when I lose my phone, it's like a stop everything, and we've got to find this phone. I will be out at Monday Night Evangelism, and it's like, somebody call my phone. I don't know where my phone went, right? And, and we'll find it somewhere. But, you know, you guys know how it is when all of a sudden for 15 minutes you've actually lost your phone. It's one thing when it's one or two minutes, but when it's 15 minutes or when it's half an hour, even if it's an hour, that is very scary. And, and what do we do? We stop. We cancel everything, and we go after that phone. And when we find it, we're like, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that I found this phone, right? And we just want to be able to have access to this phone. And so we know it because it does do so much for us, right? Now, <laughs> when you take a look at the word in the Bible for salvation, it's actually the word sozo. Have you heard of that word? And it means saved, healed, delivered. So every time you read the word salvation or to be saved in the Bible, um, it's actually the word sozo. And it means saved, healed, and delivered, not just saved. And what happens is, is though that when we think of salvation, we often just think of being saved. Saved from our sins, uh, saved from, um, from hell, from eternal, eternal uh, separation from the Lord, right? But what we're actually forgetting to understand is that uh, we're, we're actually only understanding that one-third of the gospel. There's another two-thirds here that Jesus died to give us that is actually uh, we have access to, and that is to be healed and delivered. And so I wonder if we were to take and treat our intimacy, our freedom with the Lord, where we go, I actually really have 
deep intimacy with the Lord. I really have freedom in the spirit, and I, I know the spirit. He really is my counselor. If we treated that like our phones, where if we were to misplace it or lose it or not know it, not sure um, where it was, if we, if we, would we drop everything and we go, I'm not doing another thing till I get that back, till I come back into right relationship with the Lord, where I have intimacy with him, where I, I know where my standing is. Would we drop everything and go, this is so important, I don't even want to be 15 minutes without this, without that freedom in the spirit, without that intimacy with the Lord, without that connection and that relationship to him. Now, I'm not talking about the feeling, I feel close to the Lord, or I don't feel close to the Lord. We go through that, feelings come and go. I'm talking about that true where we, we can taste, as we're walking in the spirit. I wonder if we began walking in the flesh, if we all of a sudden were like, just like that form where we were like, stop, I, I, I don't want to do this. No, there's no way. I, I, I need to realign, I need to go, what is going on? Why am I not walking in the spirit? Why am I walking in the flesh? Wouldn't that be different? Wouldn't we be living? So that, what would it look like in our life if we would stop and recognize that? So perhaps um, you already have a, a knowledge of who we are as believers, but I want to actually go further in our understanding. So in Genesis 1.26, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So I want to take a look at two words. Oh, the one is, okay. So the one is likeness, and it's the Greek, or sorry, the Hebrew word, demuth. I just put in the pronunciation there. And that demuth, uh, Hebrew word, is from the root dama. And it means to compare, resemblance. So Adam was comparable and similar to God. We are made in the image of God, right? We are in the likeness of God. And so we are comparable and similar to God. Now, if you look at the word image, the Hebrew word image, we get that. We're made in the image of God. We get that. But it's more than that. Uh, to sell them. The, the definition in the Strong's uh, definition says, involves a concept of a shadow, a phantom, or an illusion. Now, isn't that different than maybe the way you were understanding image. It's an illusion. In fact, when the rest of the spiritual realm saw Adam, they were supposed to need to take a double look and go, whoa, was that just God I saw? It was an illusion. It was, it was that, right? Made in the image of God. So when the spiritual realm or even the people of this world see you, are they taking that double look and going, wow, was that just the spirit of God I saw? Did I just see that in them? Take a look at Psalm 8 to 5. You have been made, you have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands and you put them under their feet. That's us. 
That's us. That's how, who he's made us. So he's made us, I want to point out the word glory. You crown them with glory and honor. Glory here in the Hebrew means, it's this concept of authority, this heavy, weighty authority. And it carries this whole thing that we carry the weight and the authority that the Lord has given. It says, you crown them with weight and authority. And then it says, um, you made them rulers over the works of your hands. This here, rulers, we're like, yeah, we get that. We're, we're humans. Um, but no, it, the word here is marshal, a manager, a steward, a governor. In fact, we are God's mediator. We, we go between. We're, we're representative. There's a... There's a lot of weight and authority in this, of what we've been given. If you take a look at Genesis 2.15. So then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And again, I love taking a look because we read these verses over and over and over. And we're like, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. And we go on to the next thing and then we go on to the next thing in our life. But we actually want to take a look and go, what are these words actually saying? So the word care here is shamer, and it means to guard and protect. Uh, the primary word used for a watchman or a guardian. So we were placed as a watchman or a guardian over this world that we begin in. So you're starting to hear the, this terminology that God is using for us. He's saying you carry a lot of authority. You are a manager, you're governor. You are a steward, you're a go-between, you're a mediator, and you are a watchman or a guardian. All right, so if you look at Genesis 3, I'm not going to read the whole thing here, but we know this story. This is Adam and Eve, and this is about the fruit, and we know this. So you must not eat from any tree in the garden. So this word right here, any tree, what was that? It was, it was a lie. And the woman, she did acknowledge that, well, it's not any, or it's not just any tree, it's just from one tree. And that God said, you must not touch it or certainly die. And so then the serpent says, you certainly will die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And you know the rest of the story of what happened. So what was Satan doing here? We've heard Satan was, was using half-truths, half twisted truth lies, right, in order to deceive Eve. However, he was doing something else here. He was challenging the identity of God, first of all, that maybe God was holding out on them, that he was lying to them. But he was also challenging the identity that God gave to them, being saying, you actually don't have all the authority that God said you had. Yeah, I know he said that you were given weight and um, that you were to steward and manage and, and be over these things, but look at, you actually don't have all that the same. There's more for you that you could actually have more, right? So he entices Adam and Eve to doubt God's intention and, and that favor towards man as if, as if he, he, they were going to miss out and, and, and God had something against them. And then Satan also challenged their identity by questioning what they were able to have if they were lacking this, right? If they had some sort of lack that they needed to fill. The whole chapter of John 8, but specifically verse 38 and on, talks about how us humans are bring, being prone to hearing two voices, the father of lies, 
um, Satan's voice and, and God's voice. So we have to be uh, aware of this and go, which voice am I listening to? Are, do we really believe who God said we are? And we can go, yes, but no. Do we really believe what God, who God says we are? Not just know it, but do we actually walk in it? And do we, do we act upon it? Do we speak in it? Do we minister? Do we see things out of the authority and the stewarding of who God says it? And that, and that we actually are in the image and likeness of God. So when God created man, he gave them that authority and that dominion over everything on the earth. But then, what did man do? He sinned. We lost that authority, and it was given to Satan. Jesus took back the authority, and this time, he says, I, I, I have the authority, and now through relationship with me, you have access to that authority. And he restored our relationship with God. But the problem is, we still kind of keep acting like we have lost this authority, so would you say that you are sinners saved by grace or that you are saints? Well, we can say we were sinners saved by grace because we were. But now we are saints. If you look at the definition of, of sinners, that is one who is devoted to sin. One who has missed the mark. Is that who you are in Christ? A saint means one that has been set apart for holiness. One who has been set apart for a purpose. That's who you are. That's what the Bible says. But we keep on having this mentality that we are these people that are, we're just sinners saved by grace. We just can't help it. But that's not who we are. That's a lie from the enemy. And then what happens is we get so frustrated because we go, we just don't see God in our life. We just don't see the things that God promised in our life. We just don't see his goodness, and we don't see the things that he promised to get, like joy. Man, we're supposed to be people of joy, but it's just so hard to conjure up, isn't it, in the flesh? Where's this joy that's supposed to be a third of the kingdom? And it gets frustrating because we're just sinners saved by grace. We're just sinners? No, we're not. We are saints. We've been set apart and so this isn't about conjuring anything up. This is about walking in what's already accessible to us. Now, I'm not saying that we have a happy life all the time, but there's a difference between happiness and joy, right? Happiness depends on circumstances. Joy is unshakable. It depends on our identity. All right. So Colossians 2, 15 to 17 says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectac spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And 1 John 3, 8 says, The reason the Son of God appeared, this is the reason he came, was to destroy the devil's work in and through our lives. This is why the devil came. If there was nothing to destroy, if there was nothing to get rid of, if there was nothing that we were in bondage to, or if there was no battle, there was no reason for the sun to come, but there was. And so now we have to come into alignment with that and into agreement with what God has done. So I have this cousin um, who is 48 years old, and I sit down and uh, I have some really good conversations with him. He's part agnostic, part atheist, so he 
says, I partly don't know and I partly don't think there is a God. So we, were, we have a lot of these great discussions about questions of why and, and things, but he told me that he knows 10 Christians in his life. And he said, I, he goes, you're the only one, Val, that there's, a, I'd actually want that type of Christianity. He goes, but the other nine, he's like, I'd never want to have their Christianity. And so I asked him to just unpack that a little bit more, and he goes, you know, I struggle. I, I watch over the years people in my life, and I see everybody has struggle, everybody has heartache, and everybody has brokenness and things that are unfair and tragedy. And he's like, but what I'm seeing after all these years is that there's really no difference between the Christians and the non-Christians. He goes, they're just as broken they're just as wounded, they're just as angry and resentful and bitter, and sometimes they're actually even worse than the unbelievers. And you know, when I heard that, I just, I wanted to explain it away, I wanted to defend those Christians in his life, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to do something, but at the same time I had to go, you're probably right, it's it's probably true, what is the difference? Um, And I think that that's the thing is that the world is seeing that there really is no difference with our life. When we go through these things in our life, we still come out pretty beat up and we're still bleeding and we walk around and we're bleeding and we're bleeding and we're like, I'm a Christian, you should be too. Right? And we're like, because someday it's going to be good when I die. <laughs> and so, in fact, when people see us, they, they say, well, the difference is actually you guys have a bunch of rules and regulations that are made up by man. You have a bunch of do's and don'ts you have to do. I'm free of that, so if it works for you, great. It doesn't work for me. That's what they see. Try asking some of your unbelieving friends, your hairdresser, your doctor, your neighbor on the street, anybody who does not come to you know, church or profess a belief, they just go, hey, tell me, what would you say, if you had to describe Christians, what would you describe them as? What would you say is the difference between a Christian and, and you know, say, people that aren't Christians? Just ask them. It's fascinating. If we do it in a way that's, don't get offended either when they tell you. So, (laughs) right? It's interesting for us to hear, what do they see? But we just read that when creation sees us, they're supposed to go, whoa, was was that just God? And so we have to go, why? Why is this not happening? Why at salvation are we not getting set free? Why are we not having the things that um, we're seeing in scripture? The purpose of the cross was so much more than that fire insurance, right? We, we know that it was for relationship, but um, it was even, it, it was for so much through that relationship. And so we want to reclaim what has been lost through sin. So it was to give us access through Jesus to everything that he intended us for us as his children. He says, you're not only just my heirs, which we're like, yes. He says, you're actually my co-heirs with, Je- you're co-heirs with Jesus. And we're going, yeah, but we don't actually believe it. In fact, Jesus said what? 
He says, you will do even greater things than me. So how many of you are going around, I actually did something greater than Jesus today. <laughs> not at all. In fact, we feel like that's blasphemy. Does it not feel so wrong to say that? Right? Um, but that's what Jesus said. And yet we, we go, well, he was Jesus. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. Right? And yet he says, you are to go. He says, when, as you go, proclaim the good news. Right? Raise the dead. He said, heal the sick. Drive out demons. He's like, freely you have received. Freely give. So what is going on? Jesus did say that we would have joy. He said that we're going to have peace. We will have healing. We will have love. We are going to have freedom and authority. And we know that we're walking through that sanctification process. That's where we, we are walking through to be made holy, set apart. We've been made holy positionally. Because when God sees us, he says, I see you. He, um, Jesus is presenting us as holy in his sight. But we also know that um, we are going from glory to glory to glory. And in accessing these things that Jesus died to give us, and it is a process as we live out our life, we understand that. And I, I, and I don't want you to misunderstand me. I'm not saying, hey, let's just get it together and let's just go and be joyful when I know that there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of brokenness and there's a lot of things that are hard. I get that. In fact, I've... I've lived a lot of difficult things. I know what it's like to be broken. I know what it's like to have parts of you die that were good things. I know that. Um, in fact, a, a couple, well, a few years ago, I was at um, a New Year's Eve women's group, and one of the women said, let's grab out our journals and let's just write down all our hopes for the next year. I thought, oh. And uh, I was sitting there, and I was in this mood a little, because I had just gone through some really hard stuff. And I said, you know, I was thinking, I'm praying, and I'm going, Lord, there's, I, I really don't know what to hope for. I don't want to hope for anything, because there's a lot that can go wrong in 365 days. And um, so I was, I was there praying, and I was like, well, um, what can I hope for, Jesus? What can I hope for? And, and I was like, I could hope that I will be the mom that you want me to be. Not the mo best mom I can be or the best mom that my kids want me to be or somebody else wants me to be. I can be the mom that you want me to be. I can hope that I will be the leader you want me to be, the friend, the daughter, the wife, all these things. I'm like, I can hope for those things. And as I was praying, I just uh, closed my eyes and I just saw Jesus standing before me and we were, he, he was um, turning and he, he just put this banner and he just hung it up and it was the year. And I thought, if there's a little banner for this year, there's probably a banner for all the years before and all the uh, years to come. And really in the scope of things, it looks pretty little. And that verse came to me, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like the day. And I thought, well, that's turned to Jesus, and I was just like, that's easy for you to say you're God, <sighs> but for me, I have to live out every single one of these 365 days, and it's hard, 
And then in that moment, he was just wearing his, um, you know, just this robe, and he just turned and he just dropped it. And I just saw on his back these scars all over his back. And I just went, because I always think about the nails in his hands and the holes in his hands. And I, I just, I guess I never thought of the scars of these 40 lashes all over his back. And it, it looked so horrible. And, and as I was looking, um, I just saw this, um, you know, a mark just going down his back, just opening up this gash. And it was just going down. And I just was like, oh. And then he turned to me and said, Val? I got every single one of these. I was mocked. I was spinning. I got all these 40 lashes so that you could live every single 365 days with me. And I thought, what else matters? If I have him, what else matters? And over the next few days, he started to show me. He's like, you might feel depressed. I died so that you could choose joy. You might feel lonely. I was spit on so that you can choose to know that I am always with you. You might feel angry, but I was nailed so that you could choose to forgive. And it just started to go on and on. Every day I started to be like, I feel this. You can choose this because I've given you the freedom and the strength to do this. And it just started to become part of my daily thing, to be able to come and start to walk by the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I chose this verse because... We all, with unveiled faces, your face has been unveiled. You are spending, you have the opportunity to spend time with the Lord face to face and seek his face. And that you get to go face to face with him and your eyes have been opened to the freedom. And he, he, he transforms us into his image with ever-increasing glory, with his spirit. We are carrying the presence of God. In fact, he says, I love you so much, I'm actually going to put a piece of me in you, guaranteeing that I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that we get the privilege to walk in this. And to walk and go, I have the spirit of God. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is in me and I am able to go through these things. And I'm able, and he says, in fact, I've come to bind up the brokenhearted. That means to govern and rule, to stop the bleeding, govern and rule over the deep things of your heart. So the vision of EMCC, which this church is part of, is for every church to be set free, starting with you, Hillside Church. Your face is unveiled. You bear his image. You carry his presence. So let's not settle for anything less. Let's walk in the spirit. Let's walk in the destiny that God created you for. 
I want to right now um, invite the, the worship team to come up. Um, we get, sometimes we just want to taste the Lord and see that he is good. So we want to have an opportunity for you to come up and, and to pray. We want to pray over you. We want to ask the Lord if there's anything he wants to, to speak to you. But we also want to go, you know what? The Lord has placed you in this church. When he created you in your mother's womb, he said, at this time, I'm going to have you in this church under the authority of Derwin. And I'm going to put you in this church and I'm going to have a role for you. I'm going to grow you up. I'm going to rise you up. I want to deposit things into you. And I want this church to be what I intended the church to be. And so if you uh, want to come up for prayer, even in that, of where does the Lord want you to be the church? The church is in this building. I'm the church. You're the church. We're brothers and sisters of the Lord. Let's do this together. Let's go. I want you, Lord, no matter what. So we're going to come on up here, team, and we're going to pray over you. And so you're, um, I'm going to pray just and, and end the service while we're doing that. Come on up, team. And um, you, can, you can go ahead and leave if you would like. But if you want to just sit here for a little bit, if you want to get prayed for, we're going to stay here and as long as it takes till everybody who would like to get prayed. So, Lord, I just thank you for Hillside. Lord God, I declare that Hillside is on a hill because you do not want it to be hidden. You want its light to go out from here, not just to their neighbors, God, to the city, to the whole Vancouver area. And Lord, I declare right now that people will come from all over, not just in BC, but from all over, because they want to say, I want to see what the Lord is doing in Hillside. I want what God's doing here. People are, are, are walking out the true salvation. They are saved, they are healed, they are delivered. And Lord, may this church be known as a church of love, but a church of passion and fire, Lord. That they will stop at nothing to, to glorify you, God. We tear down every spirit of rejection, every spirit that comes against you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we, we thank you for the leadership you've placed here. We honor that. You have a great pastor, Hillside. Uh, Derwin is a man after God's heart and he has integrity. You can trust him. You can trust him. And we, so we thank you, Lord. I ask that you bless them in mighty ways. Father, I ask that it would not just be here in this building, but Lord, that you would penetrate them, that your presence would fall on each one of them as they hunger and thirst to spend time with you. Lord, may this people be your people, your sheep who hear your voice and obey. In Jesus' name, amen.